Well, welcome to another Care Home Management Magazine COVID-19 podcast roundtable. Uh, this time we're looking at the importance of catering and residents' well-being during this time. Uh, we're going to look at the role of food and nutrition uh, during the crisis and how this can help residents as we move out of lockdown. And we're also looking at the importance of care home activities and physical exercise. Really important for residents' mental health and overall well-being. Uh, I'm Steve Hemsley. I'm the publishing editor of Care Home management magazine and this podcast is sponsored by care home marketing experts smooth digital helping fill care and nursing home beds with private paying residents i'm joined by four experts today uh, to discuss all things catering i'm delighted to welcome neil hargreaves who's divisional manager for care homes at appetito uk uh, Sophie Murray, who is Deputy Chair at the National Association of Care Catering. And to lead our discussion around activities, I'd like to welcome Ian McCombs, Just Bowl Coordinator for the Bowls Development Alliance, and uh, Ben Allen, founder of Oomph Wellness. Uh, welcome to all of you. Really appreciate your time on the Care Home Management uh, Magazine podcast. Uh, so before we start, it'd be good if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves and your organisations. Uh, let's uh, start with uh, Neil from uh, Appetito. Good afternoon. Yeah, my name's Neil Hargreaves and I'm the Divisional Manager of Care Homes at Appetito. As an individual, um, health and social care is really important to me. I've been in the sector for about 10 years now, um, spending my time at Appetito. Within the social care sector at Appetito, we create great food that we're really proud of using great ingredients, uh, using our in-house chefs and dietitians to make delicious food high quality. Um, we pride ourselves on operating as partners with our customers to have a partner care package that allows us to use dedicated account managers to offer advice on budget control, menu planning, food presentation and much more. Currently partner with around 600 homes and we feed over 20,000 residents every day. Thank you very much Neil and uh, Sophie if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Sophie Murray. I uh, my, my day job is head of nutrition and hydration for a care organisation, Sunrise Senior Living, and Deputy Chair of the NACC, National Association of Care Catering, a membership organisation with diverse membership, spanning chefs and catering managers, care homes and suppliers to the sector to do anything to raise standards of care catering throughout. And Ian McCombs, if you'd like to tell us a bit about yourself and uh, Just Bowl. Yeah, sure. So my name's Ian McCombs. Um, I am the Just Bowl manager and I work for the Bowls Development Alliance and I, uh, I manage a project called Just Bowl. I've been working for them for the last two years and it's funded by Sport England. So Just Bowl is a form of bowls, that indoor bowls, that we've been taking into care homes and other community settings. We did some research on care homes and also working with cancer support groups to determine what impact Just Bowl had on the physical activity levels and mental well-being of the participants. We've recently been refunded so that Sport England have funded us for another three years. They were so happy with us, the work that we've done. And we've been asked to build on work in care homes by targeting 200 care homes. So in, in, in that, working with 2,000 participants. And also, uh, we're doing some research, some further research. We're a research partner, Sheffield Hallam University, uh, working with Headway, the Stroke Association, and with seven dementia-specific homes. And Ben from Oomph Wellness. Hi, I'm Ben Allen. I'm the founder and CEO of Oomph Wellness uh, with a large provider of wellbeing services for older people in the UK. We've got a training company, training staff members in care hubs how to deliver great activity services. We care about a million participant sessions per year to those services. 
I've got a transport company called Out and About, uh, where we take thousands of residents on trips out every month. Um, outside of UMF, I also chair the Care Workers Charity that provides crisis support uh, for care workers. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, everyone there doing really important work at the moment in what is a difficult time for care homes. Uh, right, let's crack on with our debate. I wanted to start with you, please, Neil, at, at Appetito. Uh, I just wanted to get some views and thoughts from you on the role of food and nutrition um, during the pandemic, really, how important it's been and the role that it's uh, played and whether Appetito has sort of changed the way it's had to work. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I think you know, most importantly that the, there are many challenges in providing you know good balanced nutrition during the pandemic or outside of the pandemic. You know, it's it's absolutely it's a complex matter when you consider things around sort of dementia, cultural preferences, allergies. Not mentioning the large proportion of residents that are admitted to care homes with malnutrition, um, and that's before we even start with COVID nineteen related issues. Food's integral to everybody. And it's, it's so vitally important to residents in care homes uh, to aid with re- recovery and offer that much needed energy to function or perhaps take part in activities as we're going to talk about later. The importance of food and the social interaction should not be underestimated. It's at the heart of everyone's home, including homes with residents in care settings. It allows that sort of dining experience and interaction and it can really change someone's mood as well. It's often seen by many residents when I'm out and about visiting. It's the highlight of the day is the dining experience. And during COVID-19, you know, unfortunately, there's been a lot of homes locked down with uh, care residents who are isolated in their, in their own bedrooms as well. And where communal dining has been able to carry on, it really has shown that you know, that vital piece of breaking up the day, providing structure and companionship. Uh, Big effects around COVID-19 outside of what I've mentioned are around the catering. We've seen absenteeism in kitchen staff, forcing unskilled labour into the kitchen or massive investment in agency costs. We've also seen, as I alluded to before, sort of social distancing, meaning that some homes have only got residents in doorways and they're dining in their own rooms on their own, socially isolated. And also a big problem and a challenge around COVID-19 and food in care homes has been around that supply chain there's a lot of homes that use supermarkets as top-ups for their main supplier and we've seen a lot of that in the press in the early days the challenges they've had there you uh, mentioned a couple of things there uh, about energy uh, how that affects residents moods also you, you talked about absenteeism in the kitchen i just wondered if how that's impacted on on the menus that you're producing and the logistics of, of sort of supporting care homes yeah there's um i mean our part of our service we offer it's all about having that expert and tailored to the, your individual residents in your home so our team of dedicated account managers work with our dietitian and nutritionist and the home manager etc to tailor things but we have seen a change for example we've seen um, where homes are having um, a lot of residents staying in the bedrooms we're trying to push through to have a main meal of the day but there's a lot more grazing going on in the lighter meals I think this is an effect of COVID-19 and also in the last few weeks obviously there's been a significant change in the weather as well so we've had to adapt and work with our partners around that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Sophie, can you relate to a lot of what Neil was saying there about how catering has changed or had to change during the lockdown? Well, definitely, definitely. I think initially there were a lot of plans put in place, contingency emergency plans for if catering staff were going to be down. And certainly room isolation, big, big impact. Um, we've had to think really differently around how to still make it an engaged experience. So big, big challenges, but you know, challenges are there to be met. And 
but I can share a number of things that, that I've seen across the board where people have risen to that challenge, like um, using it as an opportunity to talk with families about you know, updating photos and memory packs for people with dementia so that they can be utilised in bedrooms. And that's going to go way beyond COVID. You know, having more newsletters that are being sent around the homes to share positive stories. I know there's one of the sites I know that, that releases the good news because we can be swamped by a lot of bad news. Mm, mm. Um, so they're just sharing local stories about going, what's going on locally. And that could be, you know, people donating to a food bank in the local community. I think there's been maximum use, and we'll probably all talk about it, about virtual, virtual visits mm. and what have you. So whether people have got webcams, whether they're using WhatsApp, Skype, Zoom, you name it. There are so many opportunities. And with catering, there have been other challenges, hasn't there, around particular uh, eating disorders, uh, dysphagia, etc. Has that brought new challenges for, uh, for caterers generally? I think it's been an adjustment. Yes, it was a challenge to begin with. So, for example, the, the company that I work with, uh, with Sunrise Senior Living, so we, we bought in some supplies of pre-done texture-modified food just in case we didn't have enough skill in the kitchen. Thankfully, we haven't needed um, to use it, even though there's, there's some great stuff out there, I'm well aware. So we did need that contingency. So yes, potentially, there could have been a massive challenge. Yeah. Um, you're also challenged because you can't do face-to-face training necessarily. Mm. Um, so you're having to do a lot more on um, on Skype and Zoom, and, and we've been making a video for our chefs while this has been going on. And back to you, Neil, that whole point about skills in the kitchen, whether that's going to impact on nutrition, uh, what, what would you say? So in terms of training uh, sites, we've we've adapted. Um, we've got a lot of partners that wanted to, to support in additional sites. And we've done um, we've gone to a digital approach. So using um, FaceTime, Zoom, etc., um, doing an e-learning module videos and quizzes to accompany that, um, sending literature in up front. And absolutely important to adapt and quite rightly, as, as I say, we'll carry on talking about the approach of digital and probably change our way of working going forward as well. So uh, thank you, Neil. Um, Ian, talking turn to you and Ben, um, Ian first. Um, I mean, how important is the whole link between food, activities, mood um, and energy? Because they are all intrinsically linked, aren't they? Nutritious food and drink is fundamental to good care. And also for a resident to be able to achieve their day-to-day tasks. Obviously, malnutrition, dehydration, serious problems in older adults and can affect uh, one's weight, the impact on moods and concentrations, uh, concentration levels. And um, also it can lead to things like muscle weakness, uh, feeling tired, risk of infection, disease and also can lead to depression as well. So I think all of these impact on the ability to take part in activities and um, can often lead to sedentary lifestyle within the home. So it does have a huge impact, um, not not just on uh, well-being, but also on their ability to take part in activities. And Ben, for you, you obviously do a lot of different activities as well, and this is a, is a really holistic thing, isn't it? I mean, where does food sit into what you what you do? Yeah, I think it's fairly central to any, any uh, as the guy said, through whether it's structuring the day, you obviously do food cruises, um, different activities around the food going on within the homes, so uh, looking at the menus there. Clearly, at the moment, um, a lot of people are dining in their in their bedrooms as well as um, as well as centrally. So, so I think um, creating structure and creating activity around that, we're producing lots of content around that at the moment. Yes, uh, you mentioned uh, food cruises. Uh, what are they exactly? 
Yeah, so it could be activity around going to Italy and eating Italian food, or same to India. So, so it's um, so yeah, bringing some of the culture into the home. So, and uh, quickly back to you, Neil. I mean, what advice would you give care homes as we come out of the lockdown? I mean, are they going to see things change for good in many ways, or go back to normal? What what's likely to happen? Yeah, I think in terms of advice, I think, you know, I think firstly, I just want to take the opportunity to acknowledge the great work that everyone's doing in the industry um, throughout this pandemic. Um, people are under a lot of pressure. Uh, in terms of talking to our customers, uh, our partners, we're seeing um, a lot more challenges around financials at the moment. And we're sort of working with our partners now and advising them to sort of review their catering associ- associated costs factoring labour, the declining occupancy that we're seeing at the moment and making sure that they're ordering accordingly and monitoring waste. It's absolutely crucial as they're seeing these financial pressures. And outside of this, I think we've touched on already, we talk about training. You know, we need to be aware of the risks associated with catering in care homes, particularly around them specialist diets and the risk of choking. And actually, you know, they need to engage an appropriate trainer or use an external expert who can provide them. And the the final thing really on there is um, the social aspect of dining. Actually, you know, we all play a part in that, you know, whether we're external or their role within the home. Actually, it's a team game to ensure that we can do what we can as people are in the rooms or as we move forward as things change to really help the resident have an engaging day have that structure have uh, a positive mood it's it's all about the health and well-being and working together to achieve that yes thank you neil and that's interesting you talk about the social side we'll touch on more that later with ben and others um and also those the themes around us as ben said about the food cruises sounds quite interesting making it all fun i just want to quickly turn now to you sophie and your topics around Food, nutrition, helping with dementia, there's challenges there, there's the isolation side of things, and also vitamin D with people not getting um, outside so much. So there are these indoor challenges. There's a lot going on here, isn't there? There's an awful lot going on. And I think what we've done is it's, it's really taken the situation and tried to look at where we can enhance food a little bit more. So I think it's already been mentioned around little and often more grazing feeds so taking the opportunity to look at snack pots, look at what we're doing and looking at whether it's nutritionally packed enough um, with nutrients, bearing in mind that people in their rooms, less activity, you've got people who are more at risk possibly of falling when they're up and about again. Potential for muscle loss means that we've got to look at protein foods and exercise um, when people are coming through post-COVID. So that's been one of our concentrations to try and make sure that snacks have got protein in them as well. We use a particular shake as well that we've turned into desserts. And we've had really good feedback about making our own ice lollies um, that have got protein in them as well and some lovely flavours and they've got vitamin D in so that we really are trying to max every opportunity to, to pack in the nutrition to help people's recovery because certainly weight loss is an issue for people who have been poorly, you know, more, more extreme weight losses. Um, and I'm talking, you know, across the sector um, is definitely a concern. So I think people's knowledge of nutrition right now is more important than ever. Definitely about comfort foods. It's definitely about people having what they what they enjoy, what they love. But it's also then applying a little bit of nutritional knowledge as to how you can enhance those comfort foods. Vitamin D, I think, on its own is a really big topic because we know that vitamin D is linked to bone health. Um, and then you've got the link back to falls. It's linked to immunity, and as well as many other things. We already had a problem with vitamin D before COVID came along. Then people became more room isolated and the problem is only going to go up so I think it's time to to work really closely with suppliers which we're doing to say what else can we do 
if people can't get it from outdoors, yes, we want to celebrate going outside as much as possible. But if they can't, please help us out. And quickly looking at dementia and in this situation, people's attitude to food, worries around what's happening with the lockdown and not understanding some of the things they're being asked to do. I mean, what have you seen there? I guess flipping that, and I'm not creating a fake positive, but it's created an opportunity to look a little bit more closely at reminiscent food, comfort food, food that's enjoyed um, getting people involved in recipes um, because initially, yes, they're d- definitely a challenge there. It's a challenge if people aren't necessarily understanding why they're in isolation. Um, so it's having to think incredibly creatively about helping people to be content within their rooms. So yeah, we're rising to it and we're learning every day for some brilliant practices going on out there with, with care staff, a lot of whom are probably fearful what's going on at the moment. And it's just, it's quite humbling. Ben at uh, Oomph Wellness, uh, can you relate to what Sophie was saying there about the importance of making food nutritious and fun? Because you only get the wellness and activities and buy-in from residents, don't you, if it, if they do enjoy their food, enjoy what they do? Yeah, of course. I think um, everybody wants to eat food that they enjoy. Nobody wants to eat food just because it's good for them. Um, so I think making sure that, um, yeah, it's what people enjoy eating and then uh, loaded up with the right uh, the right nutrients is important a product which has just come to market actually which i think is going to be very exciting is one called jelly drops these are hydration jellies designed for people with dementia and i think that that's that's going to be a really exciting product to look at now and into the future it's great isn't it to see such innovation around food for care homes in the current sort of lockdown and it's it's making people think uh, differently um ian at, uh, at just bowl i mean i'm not sure your thoughts on on this really but the importance of um, engaging with residents they are inside a lot at the moment they need encouragement don't you to be to be active what would you say we, we've actually done some um, work on uh, loneliness which I'll, I'll tell you about in a minute but um, the mealtime experience can be a catalyst for health well-being and really a good quality of life so we've recently worked with Guinness Care and we looked at loneliness as part of um, some research we were doing with them. We're, we're still, we haven't had the final findings yet, but the, the initial findings showed that the activity we did, uh, Just Bowl, really brought people out of their rooms. Um, there, there was an independent living facility in Totnes that we worked with, and some of the residents were new. To, it was a new home, and they were a bit, a bit shy about coming down to the communal area because it was independent living they were actually having their meal times in in their rooms so they didn't get that interaction that they would have at meal times thankfully just bold was able to get a few of them out their rooms and over the 12 week period it, it was it, it was a life changer for some of them and the staff commented how much how much of an impact it had on their life and also their social side so I think it's really important. Absolutely, Ian. Uh, and back to you, Neil. Uh, what would you say to Sophie's points? I mean, they are important, aren't they, to have comfort food and to make sure you are taking into account other things such as uh, dementia and, very importantly at the moment, uh, vitamin D. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of challenges we've touched on. And, you know, quite importantly, I think Ben said, you know, the people have got to um, enjoy enjoy it, you know, presentation as well. Um, if people don't then consume it, there's no nutrition going in. And um, I think it's, uh, it's, working with, it's working with homes to get that balance. Um, we have a, you know, we have a fantastic nutritional uh, information pool and an app that we work directly with with the homes with to ensure that um, we can get that balance between the right 
amount of calories, the right amount of protein, etc. Um, so the residents have choice, most importantly. They've got variety so that you don't get menu uh, fatigue, but also they're getting the right nutrition to aid them with recovery or to help them um, on the other side of the circle in terms of giving them the energy to um, to go forward with activities as well. Yeah, definitely. The energy side is crucial, isn't it? And making it um, appetising. Um, back to you, Sophie, finally, just quickly. Uh, I just wondered on the feedback side and what menus work, whether you get much uh, feedback from residents. Uh, I mean, obviously, the people that are eating the food. I think I'm in touch far more with general managers than I ever was before. So that may not be direct with residents because I'm working a lot more remotely, but working much more closely with staff because I'm not living half my life in a car. Um, so I'm see- seeing people face to face on on Microsoft Teams. So yes, I'm getting feedback indirectly, but perhaps not as directly as I could. So thank you. That's given me something to think about. Oh, well, well that's, that, that's good. Uh, I mean, Neil, from your point of view, do you get much feedback from the residents themselves or does it seem to be an area maybe that's a bit... Uh a bit overlooked um yeah i mean it can be overlooked but i think it's vitally important when we can capture that feedback from the residents to get that this is their home and their setting mm. and it should be what what's right for them or what they'd like to see we put in facilities around food diaries to capture feedback we've recently done a, a big ideation session with a, a group of home managers and and looked at sort of activities and how we can help more around food in the next few weeks um we've just currently we just released a, a thank you jigsaw to all our customers to help support activities activities within the home as well um so we do absolutely try to capture that feedback but quite quite rightly has just been said uh, it's uh, it's it's harder remotely got to work differently should i say we should see it as an opportunity to work differently but um, sometimes there's nothing like seeing the whites of someone's eyes and interacting and sitting and having a conversation where possible with residents for daily care home news visit chmonline.co.uk Hi, Richard. Hey, Johnny, how's it going? Uh, Richard, not the best. I'm still struggling to fill the empty beds in the home. Oh, no. Have you given the guys at Smooth Digital a call? No. Could they help? Sure. They help care home owners like you and me fill our beds with private paying residents. They can market you online on Google and Facebook. Oh, yeah? I better give them a call. You'll be crazy not to, Johnny. I've built up a waiting list working with Smooth Digital. Just go on Google and search Smooth Digital. S-M-O-O-T-H. 100% smooth digital. You're a lifesaver. Well, welcome back to the Care Home Management Magazine COVID-19 uh, special roundtable, this time looking at the importance of catering and residents' well-being. I'm Steve Hemsley, the publishing editor of Care Home Management Magazine, and this podcast is sponsored by Smooth Digital. Uh, just to remind you who's on our panel today, we've got Neil Hargreaves, who's Divisional Manager for Care Homes at uh, Appetito UK, uh, Sophie Murray, Deputy Chair at the National Association of Care Catering, and also Ian McCombs, who's the Just Bowl Coordinator for the Bowls Development Association, and Ben Allen, founder of oomph wellness right let's crack on again now we're going to, to turn our attention more to the activity side as part of the whole well-being debate so turning to you uh, ian now i know um bowling is great isn't it for for care homes getting getting uh, some fun and, and energy into uh, the care homes activities it's all about isn't it reducing that sedentary time getting people off the chairs moving around um how important is that how important has that been in the current uh, p- pandemic yeah what one of the big issues that's happening at the moment is we can't actually 
get into care homes to deliver the activities. In addition to that, we can't get in to deliver staff training as well. Some of the issues that we've got are also around uh, the actual the actual staff as well. So a, a lot of the staff that we work with are not just activity coordinators. A lot of them also have other roles as well. So during our training, we, we've come across homes that have used staff that work in the kitchen, cleaners, and they're, they help run the activities as well. And during this period, they're, they're just obviously the activity is not a priority for some homes and so they're being pulled in other directions as well. The research that we've done has showed that a role of a, a good activity coordinator can vastly improve someone's experience of, um, of that activity and also the benefits they can gain from it as well. So in particular, it was a home that we worked with in Yorkshire, where, and where there's a case study actually on our website if anyone's interested. Over the 12-week period, a lot of the participants, a lot of residents in the homes were going up with walking aids. And by the end of the 12 weeks, uh, they were throwing the walking aids down onto the floor and actually then uh, and going up to bowl, bowling, going down, walking down, collecting their equipment, uh, their bowls, coming back again and then um, and then picking up their walking frames again. So it's quite quite interesting and there are other elements aren't there such as um, balance and mental health generally helping people feel fitter more confident about you know, they won't fall etc etc also how hard is it to find activities that appeal to everybody because bowling i suppose is that more for uh, i mean do both genders like to enjoy the bowling before we started the project a lot of the uh, activity coordinators a lot of homes that we worked with were saying that the the activities were mainly for or mainly at, attended by uh, female residents and we we were so happy when we saw a lot of males coming out joining in and i think it's something that they can relate to we also found that a lot of the residents uh, both male and female had played bows in the past and it was it was like a, a reawakening for them it was um, it brought them back to their uh, to a few years before where, where they were more mobile and be able to go to the bows club in a social side as well. And we had a lot of stories um, from that. And as we, we talked about earlier with mealtimes, it, it is a, an important area. You know, it's, it's enabling people to come out of their rooms. Depression is a, is a huge issue in homes. And research has shown that bouts of 30 minutes of moderate activity a day can almost half the uh, the chances of having depression. Quickly to you, Ben, on, on activities. I mean, how important is it to find activities that appeal to everybody? You will get some that just appeal to men, others that maybe just appeal to women. It's quite a hard thing, is it, to find activities? And how important is it that um, uh, you know different people are teaching it? And what does that mean? How does that fit in with what what you guys are doing? Before we look at sort of the interventions, the first thing we focus on is what are the problems. So when we look at, say, the care sector, residents, 40% of people in care homes have depression, less than 7% of older people meet the World Health Organization guidelines for physical activity, less residents in a care home average about two minutes of social interaction per day. So, you know, there's some fairly big quality of life inequalities there. And then we then we look, okay, what what sort of interventions would, 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 um, would be would be meaningful and create create real impact? I think the first thing to mention is that the a lot of what we would call meaningful activities, things which happen in our day-to-day lives, are some of the most impactful things. 
So it might be you or I going to the shops or going out for a walk or um, or just having a chat, getting the newspaper. The, those things are activities of daily living, which a lot of residents in Cairns don't 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 enjoy as much anymore, or or don't get the opportunity to enjoy it. Sorry, they still enjoy it. The other things around, for instance, uh, taking part in uh, what's going on within the home. So meaningful occupation is incredibly important for a lot of people living in care services. So peeling the potatoes, um, you know, setting the table and then linking into what some of the work that Chapetito does. So again, that meaningful occupation is very important. So I don't know if we focus on the why people do things. So what what is the why? And then we focus on what is the training. So we train staff members all over care, care homes. So as I say, we're trained in thousands of care homes across the country. And uh, we train train people to deliver a whole range of activities from act, from exercise-based activity to music-based activity, art-based activity, reminiscence-based. And we work with expert partners from across the UK. And then when we look at the other bigger inequality that we see is that when, you, when people move into a care home, 50% of people who move into a care home will never go outside again for more than um, more than eight minutes. And we see that as a major sort of health and uh, quality of life inequality. And then we start to understand, well, why, why does that problem exist? Um, often as a provision issue around transport. So we that's why we launched um, a fleet of minibuses throughout the UK. And now we take, or pre-COVID and post-COVID, we take about 6,000 residents on trips out every month. We look for the problem, we turn towards the problem, we try to address it with with, with, with a scalable solution. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Neil at Appetito, uh, Ben and Ian touching on the importance of people looking forward to these times i mean how easy is it to tie in meal times with activity time uh and is that a challenge in terms of logistics and the menus you choose uh, how do you tend to approach that yeah absolutely we'll work with uh, activities coordinators uh, for our um, uh, partners and we'll look at um i think it was ben who mentioned touched on earlier sort of food cruises it's a big area for us and uh, we'll design a, a calendar of events per month we'll look at how we can decorate the home offer uh, advice on that and support them and how that ties then into the menu planning and, and the environment we also work with homes to you know vitally important is the front of house element so the dining experience and as just been mentioned again Again, we'll talk about how to set the tables and you know the right sort of background mu- music and ambience. Um, so it's absolutely for us everything we do. We think about how we can uh, make an impact really on not just the food but also the full environment of the meal time or an activity. You know, this time of year we've got a lot of people now going into sort of garden parties where possible, um, outside events, and again we'll work with them to see how we can make that link between an activity and also introduce the right nutrition to go alongside it. And over to you, Sophie, at the NACC. I mean, it is important, isn't it, that meal times are coordinated with other activities, whether it's the just bowl, the bowling, or, or what wellness are doing around activities. There does need to be a bit of coordination here. Massively. I'd, I mean, I work hand-in-hand hand with our um, activities programme manager because the two just sit perfectly together. But I think it is just that careful planning um, because you know the events that are happening through the year. Um, so setting a really good events calendar and then working with the chef about what they can do. And it's also smart with money. We talked about budgets um, within this. People are majorly affected by budgets um, across the board with the impact. So waste and, and careful planning is what's going to be helpful to 
to help get us through the other side. Absolutely. I think waste and cost per meal is something we should need to look at maybe in a, a future catering podcast. Uh, back to you, Ian. I mean, it is, uh, it does seem that theming meals and activities does work in care homes, but I just wondered how easy it is for care homes to incorporate activities. Bowling, I would assume, takes up quite a bit of space. There's, there's training involved. Are care homes ever a bit tentative about this? Yeah, it, it can be an issue. There are some homes that at first are a little bit reluctant to run just bow and also some of the staff are reluctant to allow the participants to actually bow and then go down and, and collect, uh, collect their, their bows in return. Um, and so what we found there were a lot of um, instances where the staff were doing it for them. However, where the staff did actually allow the participants to go down and collect their own equipment. We saw a real increase on mobility and balance and also flexibility as well. We we deliver a two-hour training session. We determine which room's best for for the tra- uh, for the delivery so that that could well be a dining room or it could be a, a lounge area. We've got different size mats we can use or if they are limited for space they don't have to use the mat all the equipment soft touch so the bows there's no worry about the uh, the bows being thrown around by anyone who's um, not very happy with their scores yes yes and does it get quite competitive it does yeah at times so we have uh, stories about um people getting uh, <laughs> not falling out but being very competitive um, and I know there's a, f- a few homes that we've worked with that have got trophies. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. And and Ben, on to your sort of main main topic here. You, you talk a lot at Oomph Wellness about drivers for change and, and how you're looking, as you said earlier, about what the problem and why there's a problem around, around wellness. And you talk a lot about how um, these sort of activities and wellness can help with, with depression. So maybe we can talk about that. But also about how many residents, when they were younger, were really into sport and they miss that and that can really help well-being can't it being competitive as we said with ian how is what you're doing helping with that and what's your sort of experience and working sort of day-to-day with with care homes well if you look at the, the stats speak for themselves i mean if you um care homes who take part in uh, we, we did a study on physical activity and over a six-week period we saw a 14 percent improvement in quality of life when you use a tool called the eq5d which is the most robust way of analyzing self-assessed health so people who are physically active doing doing things they enjoy like bowls like oomph exercise like going on days out whatever it might be their, their lives are fundamentally better if you say say for those with, with depression one of the key solutions to to in, impacting people depression in a positive way is interventions that promote social participation so that is unfortunately getting people together but and obviously right now that's incredibly tri- tricky and that's where this whole movement towards digital has been so popular to get people at least zooming with their loved ones because again if you if you're depressed it increases mortality so you want to keep people happy and you want to keep people interacting it's 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 not it's, it, it, this isn't rocket science it is very very important i think it was the chief medical officer for the uk who said if um if exercise is a drug, you you provide it to everyone. So yeah, so I think making it fun, making it engaging, so people making sure it's really targeted to what people enjoy, incre- is it has incredible benefits. 
and then equally keeping people linked with the outside world. And yes, it's um, a lot of people are quarantined right now and probably will be for um, for a little while longer. But that is having a very significant impact in people's mental health. So people expect to live a connected life. Just because they move into a care service doesn't mean that their lives should be indoors uh, in isolation. So, so I think that there'll be a big movement towards getting people out and connected with the outside world as well. And how easy is it to do activities when it is done virtually, digitally, on Zoom? I mean, I wrote a story recently about um, socially distanced bingo. You know, people are able to be either in the lounge or their own room, or I suppose you could do it with family and friends. Uh, it does mean a different mindset from uh, companies like yourselves and obviously from the care homes and, and the residents to make this work. I, to be honest, I think the it is easy to move to. I mean, we, we, we've done it with uh, fairly rapid success. But I, I should I should really emphasise that digital should be an, an enabler, not a replacer. So right now, it is replacing human interaction, like physical interaction, through necessity. But that shouldn't be seen as a cheap uh, opportunity, which it could be for for certain providers to replace the need for face to face contact. Face to face contact is absolutely paramount for somebody's well being. And Sophie, um, th- th- that link between activities and mental health as part of an overall well-being has come up a lot in this podcast. I, I assume you-, you-, you would agree with that. I totally agree with it. My background's mental health nursing as well as nutrition. So I probably appreciate that more than ever. And I think just really adding to the point just made, I couldn't agree more. People are crying out for their relatives to visit again. And possibly we can follow on with using iPads so that they can have more regular contact. If you've got people travelling from afar who maybe only visit once a week, now they could be, you know, in communication two or three times a week. And I just want to mention another product that I've come across that's just a slight enhancement. Uh, some of you might have seen the, the talking cup, um, which reminds people to have a drink, and which can be an issue for some people. So it can be recorded with a relative's voices as well. So there's little bits that yeah. are out there um, that can really help. Yeah, it, it's great to, to hear about so much in, innovation, isn't there, in the catering market and suppliers doing things such as that. Uh, I, I mean, Neil, to the, the point about that, that Ben was saying about um, virtual digital needing to be, obviously, just maybe an enabler, technology to be an enabler, not the, the norm um, for, forever. Um, I suppose that's true, isn't it? And we may well see more of a, a hybrid uh, model going forward where there is more digital but the face-to-face side of things is so important yeah absolutely um you know we've got uh, challenges have been put in front of us and we've had to adapt um to support our customers um but there is nothing more so than face-to-face we have a dedicated team of account managers 17 around the uk visiting homes to have interaction with all stakeholders but absolutely resident to offer food activities but get their feedback and that's just not the same remotely absolutely not but um, I think there will be learnings for us moving forward as well as an industry um, about how we, like the example just given, how do we top face-to-face interaction up with additional digital uh, wrapped around it? Uh, and I think that's educating um, people outside of the home as well, um, using more digital as well. And Ian, that idea of a hybrid model where um, some of it's face-to-face, some of the training might be online demonstrating activities such as bowling. Do you see that as being the future or are you quite keen to... Um, to get back more more face-to-face for the benefit of residents and the sort of care home provider? Before COVID-19 came along, I was said that, that you cannot replace face-to-face contact. However, we've seen that, and a lot of people were starting to find new ways of exercising and doing physical activity. Um, I was recently reading that a lot of gyms are looking at changing their business plans at the moment 
so that they can look at incorporating more bi- uh, digital platforms for delivering sessions because they think the whole uh, market, physical activity market, the activity market is going to change after this. However, as that said, I think when you're dealing with residents in care homes, because of the actual age of the residents, I think they would they probably not embrace the concept so well. So I think with the older generation, they prefer face-to-face contact. Thank you, everybody. That's great. I just wanted to ask you one final question, really. We've touched on it in the podcast, but just to get a bit more meat on the bone, as it were, around catering and running activities when people are in isolation, people having to eat in their own rooms, uh, trying to socialise virtually. Has that brought different challenges for you guys and just generally for the for the industry? Uh, I'll start with you, Sophie. I mean, what, what would you say? How have you approached or how has the, your members, uh, the NACC members, sort of approached this whole uh, dealing with people in isolation in, in the lockdown? Yes, it's tricky, but there are ways around because we have digital ways um, and... I just want to share something else that I've seen across one of our sites where they've got virtual visits. They've got scheduled drive-bys that family are actually driving through at 10 minutes intervals in between. Um, So I think if we carry on working creatively, we've got the ability to bring out some absolutely great stuff. And then when it's time to integrate activity back in and people, you know, visiting entertainers, then it will be done in a slightly different way, I'm sure, but it will be done again. Uh, But Sophie, I suppose we need to remember that people aren't totally isolated, are they? This is about uh, a reduction in in social contact. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of fearful people there, but at least in care sites, they are getting people who are visiting, knocking on their door and still seeing them every single day and just checking that they're okay. There's a lot of anxious residents that are being put at ease by that visit that might be two or three times a day. And it's a one-to-one visit now when people are in their own rooms. So I think there are people getting one-to-one attention too, which is which is a positive. And Neil, for you, I mean, uh, catering with people in isolation, how much has that been a consideration and, and a challenge? Yeah, I think as we've touched on, you know, menu planning is a big thing around that. Then also, how do we how do we engage with the residents? How do we offer them activities? And it's just it's it's just a case of working differently. We've touched someone that referenced bingo in um, in doorways earlier, and something that I've seen um, some of our account managers now doing a sort of uh, food quizzes and tastings. The food's delivered to them, and uh, they can interact from from the doorways. So it's it's not the same as. Um, prior to COVID-19 but we're adapting and we're doing our best to ensure that we can deliver that great food with the nutrition but we can offer that sort of social experience and interaction that they're missing from uh, the hi- one of the highlights of the day what's visiting the dining room. Yes it is all about adapting isn't it I mean, I mean Ben for you have you had to work hard to adapt and ensure that your wellness offer is is flexible has been flexible in, in, the, in the lockdown? I, I, the business challenges are significant. I mean, um, when when you've got a, a 28 minibus fleet uh, to go from, you know, seven, 800 tri- minibus trips a month to zeros, you know, significant challenges. But I think from um, from a well-being challenge, though, for, for all the people, I, I, I would just I just say it's very similar to the, the challenges that we've all faced. I mean, th- think of how we've felt throughout this period of lockdown, probably frustrated at being at home, probably, probably a bit anxious. You probably multiply those for, for somebody living in a care service who's thinking, you know, this, this, this is a, a significant period of time in relation to length of life. So 
it's 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 a it's a big impact. And also thinking about think about how excited we have been for lockdown sort of starting to ease and we're seeing people in parks and playing tennis. Older people are, are, will be feeling very similar. Uh, mm-hmm. There'll be there'll be a lot of caution. Again, there's a lot of anxiety right now, but people are wanting to return to a world which will be different for sure. Yes, uh, Andy, and you talked earlier about uh, how much people enjoy the bowling, the social side. Uh, it must be very difficult for those who are maybe are, have had to isolate and they can't wait to get back playing again. Yeah, we, we have heard that some homes are actually still taking uh, running just bowl and it, it is the activity itself. You can uh, social distance using uh, just bowl. So the residents take it in turns to come up and play. Um, however, we we've actually been told that a lot of homes are isolating in the room we were quite lucky in one in one respect that we actually just before the lockdown we changed our equipment and we looked at how we can address such issues if there are residents that are confined to their rooms for for one way for one reason or another so what we we did we made sure that um, all the equipment fits into one bag and uh, so it can be delivered in rooms it's easy to store it can be moved around the ha- at the home uh, ease quite easily so it it's as effective in a small confined space as what it is in a dining room when you've got 20 30 residents playing it well that's all we've got time for so thank you very much to our panel very interesting and informative podcast today uh, so my thanks to uh, neil hargreaves who's divisional manager for care homes at appetito uk uh, sophie murray who's deputy chair at the national association of care catering uh, ian mccombs uh, the just bowl coordinator for the bowls development alliance and ben allen founder of oomph wellness uh, you've been listening to the care home management magazine uh, podcast with me steve hemsley and sponsored by smooth digital helping fill care and nursing home beds with private paying residents uh, we'll be back with some more podcasts over the next few weeks so thanks for listening look after yourselves and we'll speak to you soon